What would you realistically shoot from from the, the master's the tees, tees at Augusta? Over a hundred. Well, yeah. If you would have said less than a hundred, I would have <laughs> maybe walked out. Hundred and fifteen. I said hundred and twenty. I said I'd be happy with a hundred and fifty. You can break a hundred and fifty. And maybe it's dumb of me to say this. I think I could maneuver the course okay, but once I get to the greens, it's over. All right. This is the Boys Down Bad podcast back with another week with a very special guest today. We have our good friend Jeff Harris on. Boys, give it up for Jeff. (laughs) Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Jeff um, works at Open Doors, um, so he is an expert in NIL, name, image, likeness. And as we have found out over the past couple days talking with each other, we don't know much about NIL (laughs) at all, and Jeff does. So I think that's kind of the consensus with a lot of people. You know, they know that players are getting paid now, but they don't know what exactly is going on behind the scenes. So um, Jeff is going to be here to take it. Take us through a deep dive of NIL, but first I wanted to say or ask you, are you all the way bought in on Matt Rule and the Skurs? Uh I am actually. Talking to I uh yes. Uh so as a crazy huge Husker fan, you know, when, when Scott got hired, everybody was excited. Um and then throughout the tenure you start to see little cracks and, and stuff like that. But with Matt coming in, he's saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. He's you know, the uh, the adult in the room that, you know, we didn't know we needed until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good to see the structure. I've been able to interact with some of the staff and stuff in the, over the past few months. Uh, it's just a different feel. Yeah. Um, so super excited for him. Really excited to see uh, just what the spring game looks like in a few weeks. Yeah. Not that that's too indicative of, a, you know, not that you can tell a ton, but just through – how the players are, are, are fighting and how the coaching staff is running things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be really interesting. Can't guarantee, you know, with anything, how quick stuff is going to turn around. But for the first time in a little while, it, it feels like we're on the right path. Mm-hmm. And it's not like just hopes and dreams that are making us yes, think that. There's 100%. actually like proof uh, in these past, you know, few months that actually line up with, you know, success being down the road. Yeah. Well, we're excited. We're all the way bought in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's go into, um, kind of your story. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field that you're in right now. Yeah. So, um, grew up just loving all things sports, knowing that, knowing that that was ideally what I would get to go into in, in some capacity, whether it's, you know, working in a, a front office or, uh, working for a you know a pro team in another capacity or college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after high school, went to University of Nebraska Omaha. Um, Trev was actually the AD there when when I was Hell there, yeah. which was fun. Uh, Love that. My uh, sophomore year, I kind of started to to know that like sports is what I want to get into, but I knew at least hearing things that sports isn't very easy to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I reached out um, to Trev actually. And just said, hey, I'm really interested in getting started. Not really sure what I want to do. Um, marketing was in the back of my head, some mm-hmm. other things. Uh, and he was like, hey, I'm going to hook you up with somebody. Um, operations could be a really good way to just, you know, get your foot in. Um, so worked for Game Day Ops at UNO for two and a half years. 
and that's mainly setting up tearing down events running concession stand doing a lot of like it's mostly grunt work Mm -hmm. but you get to see how really college sports operates yep uh so i knew coming out of that um that i was on the right path it was also fun that like every day was something new um because you have all these different sports that are going on so you might be working a soccer game then you're working a a basketball game or Mm -hmm. or whatever it is so after uh, graduating from college i did an internship with the omaha storm chasers okay and i would say to anybody out there who's still in school looking for internships even a negative internship is a great internship Mm. not saying that my experience with the storm chasers was bad by any means it just taught me this isn't the life that i'm looking (laughs) for uh what did you do with the storm chasers so um as an intern they really tossed us into everything so one day you're working in tickets one day you're working in promotions one day you're working in sales so i love that aspect like getting to see all the different areas um it just takes a very special person to work in minor league athletics because you are you're working eight to five and then five to eleven yeah um the pay isn't the best you're you're working like crazy uh especially during the season you don't sleep much um so after that i uh as as i said earlier big you know nebraska fan would watch big red wrap up all the time and uh our guy chris had had to chris shout out um (laughs) blake lawrence was one of the 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 guys on there um and i would see every once in a while he they would uh advertise his company heard at uh and then shout out heard at and then eventually uh once they sold heard at uh and they started open doors he started they started you know running some stuff for for open doors on there and I started looking into it, actually did a uh, college project on her dad, nice. uh, which was fun. Um, but I'd reached out to Blake asking about any internships. Uh, he said initially nothing was available, but he'd be in touch. And then about like four or five months later, I never expected to hear back from him. He hit me up and said something was available. So uh, that would have been May of 2015 which is wild. Sheesh, you're kind of yeah, old. I'm, yep, I'm fully aware of that. Uh, but um, I started as an intern uh, working on the marketing side. So I had a blast. Like I was able to just write blog posts about whatever I wanted to, about athlete earnings, athlete endorsements. That was still, um, you know, obviously before the college endorsement side, but mm-hmm. it was working on the pro side. Uh, had an article public or like, ESPN took it and it was talking about how much a tweet would cost if someone wanted to pay LeBron James to post on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, and I think at the time it was like 280 K for a single post. I'm oh sure today gosh. it's well over a million. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, but that was just fun stuff I got to do. And, and towards the end of my internship, we had a company meeting. Um, and at that time, open doors was solely uh, a marketplace for pro athletes. So mm-hmm. If you wanted to work with Rob Gronkowski, you could find him, pitch him something, work with him. A lot of the times we were working with uh, brands who knew they wanted to work with athletes. It wasn't so much like fans wanting to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really where it was. And, and we would have athletes come uh, and ask us, you know, how much how much could I make? How much are my tweets worth? Or uh, Instagram was brand new at that time, but how much would an Instagram post be worth uh, on my feed? And we could tell them that number. And then their next question was, how do I make more? And that was a little trickier because mm-hmm. we it's all about brand building. It's 
hey, you need to post cool content consistently that your fans care about. And we kind of wrestled with that. Like, it stinks that we're not able to ans- like provide that answer a little right. clearer. So we started thinking, like, okay, how can we help athletes post cool stuff more often? And we looked across the street. Our office is right downtown next to Bison Witches and Wendy's and, and all that stuff mm-hmm. right across from the Union. And we looked across the street, and you got the University of Nebraska, which obviously we have a really good uh, connection with, with yep. Blake and, and Audie, the other co-founder, both playing for Nebraska. Um, and we went to them, and we were like, hey, what would you say if we would have alumni of Nebraska post the content that your team is already creating? So photos you're capturing at practice, hype videos you're creating. Mm-hmm. What if we got them to post that on their feeds? And Nebraska was like, that would be awesome. How much would we have to pay the athletes? And then we go to the athletes. Uh, Prince of Mukamara was the very first athlete, actually, to use Open Doors. Nice. Really good friends with Blake and Audi. Went to him and a few others, and they were like, that would be awesome because, you know, I need that stuff to help grow my brand. How much would we have to pay Nebraska? And the great answer was for both of those – neither like it's a solid win-win for everybody yeah athletes get the the cool content to post the school gets that recognition or um we always talked about it too as like a recruiting advantage where okay prince is in new york now he has a whole different market that is following him let's let's toss some nebraska stuff his way now those those kids in nebraska or in uh, new york might experience nebraska for the first time so uh started doing that um and then uh but sorry, backing up. In that company meeting we had, Blake pitched this idea. I immediately walked into his office after that meeting. I was like, I want to be a part of this. <laughs> so uh, I got brought on full time soon after, and we started with Nebraska, Clemson, and Michigan as our first two schools. So really, for the next four years, that's what Open Doors was focused on. Like we did the pro stuff. We were part. We uh, um, were partnered with the NFL Players Association since day one, which that's okay. another cool story. But I'll, I'll pass that for now. And. Mm-hmm. Um, we still had that side, but we started working with colleges. So, again, like I said, Nebraska, Clemson, Michigan, Texas, like pretty much all the big schools you can think of, we work with them. Um, and then as, you know, around like 2019, it became obvious that athletes were going to start making money in some way. It was always Blake and Audie's dream that that's where Open Doors ends up, mm-hmm. but it was never clear that it would ever be allowed that athletes could make money. So at that point, we started to kind of strategize like, okay, what else is needed in this space? And that's when we started uh, offering education. So we realized the pro market already experiences NIL. Like, again, going back, if you've you've seen the movie Air yet that that just came out, definitely recommend it. It dives into this stuff really well. But athlete endorsements in the pro side have been happening since the 60s and 70s. Like, that's not new. A product associating themselves with a player to elevate that product's brand. Um, But... Uh, totally lost my train of thought here. One second. Uh, movie? Oh, education. Movie? Education, sorry. Education. Yes. So um, NIL is new to the college space. It's not new to sports. Right. And we had done that for six or seven years prior. So we felt like we had a lot of good knowledge to pass along. So um, really from uh, 19 to uh, 2021, all we, we really started to focus on educating athletes. So we would go onto campus, talk to them about what the heck is NIL. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this entail? What to expect, essentially? Because, again, this is brand new to them. It's brand new to the schools, too. So we would be having meetings with the administration and stuff like that to help talk them through it. Um, 
And then from there, once NIL took effect, we have a, a disclosure process, which again, some of your questions might get into, mm -hmm. just some of the rules that the NCAA requires. But we have a disclosure software that allows athletes to disclose their information that they're doing in NIL to their school. And then we have a marketplace for college athletes as well. So fans, brands can go work with them very easy. So took that question really long. <laughs> That's um, okay. That was an I awesome love telling story. our story. It's fun to also just understand why we do what we do yeah. too. Um, and how all of our little products work together, um, really to the end goal is helping every athlete in the world. So absolutely. That's a really cool story. I had no idea. That's how they yeah. started and kind of the, the process to get where you guys are now. Um, can you tell us super basic question? Yep. What is NIL? Yeah. So NIL is name, image, and likeness. So, uh, everybody on the planet and until 2021, except student athletes, mm -hmm. uh, have the ability to make money selling their name, their image, or their likeness. So think of name, so your name being on the back of a jersey or a t-shirt or associated with a company in any way. Um, or image is a picture of you, so your face being up on a billboard. If you see one tomorrow from Runza and your face is on it, they can't do that without compensating you. Right. Uh, and then likeness is uh, like a bobblehead or uh, you being in a video game. It's not you, but it's intended to be you. Yeah. So um, that's really the gist of it. Again, everybody in the world had the ability to do so except college athletes. Right. Um, and the issue and the reason for that is that the NCAA claims or the school claims, and there's merit to this, that um, their value is linked to their school. So now with NIL, one of the rules is that you can't use your school marks or logo. So like the Husker N mm -hmm. or the picture of Herbie or Huskers, you can't wear that on your shirt and get paid by a company because you are no longer getting compensated for your name, image, and likeness. You're being compensated for your school's name, image, and likeness mm, that they did not sell you. Interesting. Okay. So there is circumstances like at Nebraska, if you're a licensed partner of Nebraska, so like Runza, is a licensed partner. Any any logo you guys see in Memorial Stadium or uh, at the vault, mm -hmm. um, they're typically like a licensed partner. Uh, so if you're working with, uh, if that brand is working with an athlete, those athletes can wear those marks because those com that company already purchased the rights to use okay. those okay. marks. That makes sense. But if you're a random, you know, uh, a random company that has no affiliation with the school that athlete needs to wear like a red t-shirt mm -hmm. or something just completely plain that's not associating them with the school. Because again, NIL is, an inte is intended for athletes to make money on themselves, not their affiliation with their school. Right. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Cool. Um, I feel like when you bring up NIL at a in a conversation with anyone, I feel like there's very polar opinions <laughs> on it. It's either people love it or they kind of hate it. Um, what are your general thoughts on NIL and do you think overall it's helping or hurting college sports right now? Yeah. So, uh, at the base, NIL is great for college sports. It's something that should have been around forever. Um, there's a lot of intricacies that, that jump in there, uh, in terms of, is it good or not? I think, um, the thing that's really made things interesting with the rollout of it is leading up to July 1st of 2021 is when the, it, you know, it was allowed. Mm -hmm. um, the NCAA had 
a bunch of rules that they had developed and gone through and it would have helped this tremendously in terms of like the wild west feel that you, you yep. know, everybody thinks it is right now um, which it honestly is yeah um, but they had a lot of guidelines in place that were good um, and then the Alston case uh, was decided in um, like May or June which essentially said the NCAA cannot limit the amount of educational aid that a school can provide a student athlete and that kind of opened it up that you could connect the dots that the NCA would be open up for more litigation mm-hmm. if they would be very restrictive on what athletes could do. Sure. It also didn't help that um, didn't help the NCA's case that all these states around the country started passing their own NIL laws. So if the NCA's rules were more restrictive than say Texas's law. Mm-hmm. Texas would have the rights to sue the NCAA <laughs> for saying like, hey, why aren't you letting our kids do this? Our state law allows it. Mm-hmm. So it just opened up this can of worms for the NCAA. So they essentially scrapped the, all those rules that they had, they had written and came up with about three or four. Okay. And those three or four essentially just say the athlete has to be um, has to do something in order to get paid. So you can't get paid for just existing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just sign an NIL deal with you and you do nothing. Like, right. you actually have to show proof that you've completed that activity. Okay. It can't be pay for play. So I can't say, hey, Dylan, for every touchdown you score, I'm going to give you $100. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if you think about it, you're no longer being compensated for your name, your image, or your likeness. You're being compensated for your performance. performance. Yeah, okay. And then – uh trying to think the last one um jeez i'm drawing a blank right now pay for play oh inducement so you can't pay an athlete like a brand couldn't pay an athlete with that being contingent of them going to a specific school or Mm -hmm. staying at a school so you can't be like hey if you go here i'll give you or ten thousand dollars for an appearance Mm mm-hmm like it can't be linked to that at all. Okay. Now, <laughs> as you've probably seen in the news, there's a lot of stuff that starts to go against what I just said. Because sure. you probably heard things of like uh, kids transferring to schools and then NIL deals attached to those. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely still murky stuff going on. Um, but all in all, it is great. Uh, there are, as with anything, there's still like bad actors out there. Um, collectives throw a wrench into a lot of it too and really we can get into it mm-hmm. you know later but collectives are just an interesting dynamic especially if you think of the relationship between collectives and schools and mm-hmm. there's not supposed to be but that's a question i have later for yeah. you that we'll, yeah we can we'll we t- touch yeah, on that then that's yep. a good one yep um yeah you have, you got yeah one? so we kind of talked about it a little bit but like those nil deals where it's you know a kid is getting offered like nine million dollars to come to this school or it's it comes out as hey if you come to the school you're going to get you know x amount of dollars how are those getting worked out you kind of touched on it like you have to do something is it for like a certain amount of like appearances posts like commercials i guess how are those like big amounts of money like getting like kind of acted on yep no that's that's a really good question and it's been interesting to see um essentially how these contracts have changed since the very beginning. So, like I said, one of the rules is that you can't 
Um, it can't be inducement for an athlete to go to a school. So the at the beginning, there were contracts that essentially said, hey, here's, you know, say it's $30,000. Um, and they were giving it to the athletes up front. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no reason for the athlete to stay at that school if they've already gotten the money. Like true. There's a reason yeah. we get paid every two weeks or every month at yeah. our job and not all of our salary up front. Right. <laughs> so it actually like keeps you there at that school. Another aspect is, um, again, for the inducement thing, uh, people have started or they've started tossing in that you need to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. You don't need to be attending the school but you need to be in this area to complete this activity. Mm. So if they transfer, they won't be in that city anymore, which right. means then that contract is broken. But before people were adding that in, if an athlete transferred, if the school or if the brand would potentially cancel that, that would be a violation because then they are canceling it because they are no longer a student athlete at that school. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's a, that's an added piece. Um, and, uh, really when it, when it comes down to it, like those large amounts of money, like you said, it is beneficial to the collective or, um, the brand. If their intention is, we want this guy at this school, you want to spread that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, there was initially a, the NCAA had a rule around like market rate. So if the going rate for a quarterback to make an appearance is a thousand dollars, if you get paid more than that, that's a red flag. The NCAA would look into it. Mm-hmm. That all got scrapped. So there's no real limit in which you can piece out these activities, but it's to your benefit to spread it out. So, um, maybe they're getting $5,000 a month. And to earn that $5,000, they do an appearance at a Little League game. They go do a camp, and they post about some random company that's yeah. associated with the collective okay. or whatever. So it's pieced out um, typically. And, again, that's that's to make it so the athletes <laughs> encouraged to stay at that school um, in a somewhat legal way. Right. <laughs> That makes sense. Can you take us through the process of, like, say I'm an athlete going to UNL. How do I start getting an NIL deal? And how does that, um, like, how am I getting payments? Because I know you guys work a lot with that. Can you take us through the process of just, like, a single NIL deal? Yep. Yeah, so a way to think about it is you have your collectives and then you have, like, brands and fans. Mm -hmm. So brands and fans is what NIL was like that's what pure NIL is. So a fan paying for you to come out to their kids practice to teach them how to pitch or something like that, or a company wanting to, um, have you be a spokesperson for them. Like Mm. that's what NIL is meant for. Yeah. Collectives, their motivation is just get money to the athletes to improve their recruiting class and keep the athletes that are on, on campus on campus. Mm -hmm. So you have those two different areas. For the collective, for an athlete to start working with a collective, essentially you just need to be in a sport that has collective support. So that's how collectives typically are working, where like there's a collective for football or there's a collective for men's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, some schools have where it's a collective for everybody or they're picking like uh, the top athletes at each sport to try to get them more deals and stuff like that. Um, but essentially it boils down to if you're on the football team and there's a collective that supports football, 
you you're pretty much included there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to get a brand deal or a fan deal, that's where um, we talk to the athletes a lot about. You really have to market yourself. Like NIL is a is a job. Yeah. There are certain athletes that just by existing, people are going to be in, be interested in working with them. But that's really the quarterback, maybe a receiver, a running back. Like the high profile positions might have that. Like if you're the starter and you're the stud on your right. team. Yep. But say you're a defensive lineman or anybody else on the team, like essentially you need to go out and sell yourself. So going down, the way we kind of talk about it is think of the places you already go. So like, where's your favorite restaurant? Where's your favorite store to, to go shop at? Go to those places, start a conversation with the manager, let them know you're interested, show them why that you would be valuable to them to like team up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing too, like businesses have been told for years and years and years and years and years, do not pay athletes because they could get in trouble. Sure. Now yeah. that whole thing switched, but they still have it in their mind like, hey, we're not supposed to do this, so you have to – everybody pretty much has to educate everybody on what you can and can't do. So that's where, yeah, a lot of the time it's an athlete going out, talking to a company, hitting them up in the DM, saying mm-hmm. like, hey – like say it's not a local company, say it's a national brand, say you're a big Lululemon fan, mm-hmm. um, jumping in the DMs, stating like essentially stating your case why they should be interested in working with you. And then – uh, the last piece is like the marketplace, like I mentioned. Like, if you go to opendoors.com right now, um, there's a, a Nebraska logo on there that you can click on their, their marketplace along with a lot of other schools. But it takes you to an environment where it's just Nebraska student athletes that you can click on their profiles. Uh, we always talk about it that their profiles like their online resume. Mm-hmm. So it's where athletes can go in, upload any photos they want to to help showcase who they are. Um, within their sport, outside their sport, what they're interested in, connect their social channels, do all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, a fan can go in, find them, book, like pitch them a deal. Hmm. Think of it like Airbnb or any other like online marketplace. It's that same kind of concept. But uh, we encourage athletes to uh, – there's like a, a, a website link to their profile that they can then share on their Twitter account, on nice. Instagram stories just routinely letting people know like hey if you want to work with me go here that's cool yeah i didn't i didn't realize you could go on and like book people basically yeah hmm. that's pretty cool yeah so it kind of, you kind of just talked about it but like are these kids when it comes to like the amount of money they're getting how are those deals getting like negotiated is it because like you can't really have like an agent like in the nfl where you can just say talk to my agent here's mm-hmm. how much i want how are those deals and like prices getting like made basically since you can't really have like an agent yeah so you actually can oh you so can. yep college athletes can have agents now um i believe the rule is that if you represent an athlete in college for marketing deals you can't neg- you can't represent them in the pros in like contract negotiation like with their team hmm. why is that um i think it's just to essentially prevent agents from like Oh, that's probably a bad word. Like grooming athletes to, sure. like you work with them early on to then get them into like you're that essentially working sense. them yeah. in college, oh, okay. so then you can work with them in the pros and right. make a ton of money. Yes. Okay. Um. So athletes can use agents. Um. There's not. I would say the high profile athletes definitely do, or they have like advisors. Um. And negotiation wise, 
that's the thing that we've tried to help uh, along, you know, over the past year and a half is just educate the market, the collectives, the athletes on just like what are they worth essentially? Like mm-hmm. just giving them a starting point. Um, like for just individual brand and fan deals, like we have a, a an algorithm that we run that essentially gives them a, gives athletes a starting point of like, hey, okay, okay you're a quarterback at a Big Ten school. You have fifty thousand followers on Twitter, a hundred thousand on Instagram. Based on all the other deals that have happened through Open Doors in the past, we would estimate estimate that an appearance for you would be X dollars. That's cool. So we can at least give them a starting point because athletes didn't know what to charge. Brands didn't know what to give them. Mm-hmm. And then I think your question's more around like the collective stuff, like these yeah. bigger money deals. Um, now I think athletes are starting to see what other athletes are making. So they're able to take that and be like, hey, I know my buddy is getting 50K from XYZ school and going in that way. Um, how the process works, I'm honestly not sure because technically – Schools and collectives are supposed to be separate. So uh, if it's an athlete comes on an official visit and they talk to the coaching staff and then after that, then they go talk to the collective Mm -hmm. and then they negotiate how the collective knows how high of a priority that athlete is. I'm sure there's under the table conversations between the collective and the school going on. Um, But Really, I mean, you're seeing stuff with the transfer portal for basketball right now with bench guys asking for north of 500K. Jeez. Which, that's eventually going to level out. Um, But the big thing that I think schools started to realize uh, probably halfway through the end of um, the 21 season is that, yes, it's important to get transfers and, you know, recruits and all that kind of stuff. But you need to recruit your own roster now Mm -hmm. because kids see what, again, what their teammates are making at other schools. And, or you see like a a player coming in that's getting 500K and you're like, I've been here for three years and I'm a starter and I'm making, I don't know, like 30 or something, like smaller. Like it starts to ruffle feathers Mm -hmm. in the the locker room. So, um, that's that's been a big change that I don't think people really realize. Like everybody thinks of like recruiting and all that stuff. Um, and the interesting part too is with collectives is they are not allowed to work or negotiate with athletes before they are at the school. Cause again, otherwise it's endorse or inducement. So like a, like a high school athlete, like you can't actually sign a deal or talk to a high school or, you might be able to talk to them. You can't definitely can't sign a deal with a high school prospect until they're actually enrolled at the school. Mm. So it's almost like it's got to be like handshake agreements or, yeah. or whatever. That's why it's just so fishy. And it's weird that like if you think – not saying this is the case, just an example because a lot of people are Husker fans. Matt Rule is putting the success of his football team into the hands of a third party being um, 1890 or the Big Red Collaborative. Mm-hmm and just hoping they take care of the players. Like that is a weird thing. It's very weird. Yeah. Cause like the biggest thing that you see now is like, it seems like the market value for a starting quarter, like a five-star quarterback. It's like either you have no clue what they're getting or it's just an astronomical number, like a $9 million to come. Like you, it's not like inducement, like you coming to get that money, but 
it's just weird how like some guys are getting just crazy amounts of money without playing mm-hmm. and it's like how like a four-star quarterback compared to like a five-star how big of a different is that like two million is that like a couple hundred thousand like yeah it's just weird how there's no i guess because we're so early into nil where you don't really know what that market value is so that's what i'm always interested in when i see or like hear deals that either happened or like fell through like how are you going to give this kid $9 million even over the course of their career? Yeah. And yeah. they've only played high school football. It's easy to see, like, in the pros, say in the NFL, you know, a quarterback will hold out for a s- certain amount of money mm-hmm. to get paid, and that'll kind of set the market. Yep. So it'll be set at that number, and then anyone, you know, signing after that. But with in college, it's just, like you said, the Wild West, like – yeah. You could ask for anything, and you could get anything. It's just crazy. Well, and that's the thing. Like, in, in pro sports, all that stuff is public information. Like, you know, you can go online right now and be like, hey, what's the contract for Mike Trout or, or whoever you want to? And you can see all the contract information. Mm-hmm. These are private deals that they do not need to be made public. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it goes back to, you know, what are you worth? It's what's someone willing to pay you? Mm-hmm. You might have a school that, you know, may, might be a little more desperate or – they see like you know if we get this guy it opens us up to maybe getting this guy this guy this guy and this guy so yeah. like even if this recruit doesn't pan out maybe he brought along buddies that will mm-hmm. um so that's that's the thing and then like you hear about the the quarterback that committed to florida that then backed out that's where like do the collectives have the money to actually back up the the numbers that are getting tossed out there right yep. um and they may be able to cover the first year. And then do they have the fundraising ability to go out and get the rest of that money? Right. Essentially, like, okay, say it is $10 million over four years, and it's a million the first year, two and a half the next. I'm getting myself in trouble with math doing it in my head real quick. Mm-hmm. But essentially, <laughs> like, if it's stair steps, yeah. like, yeah, you can cover the one the first year. Maybe you can cover the second. But then, like, you're just hoping that you can do it the next. Right. And, um that's where things get you know a little interesting but yeah these big money deals um they're uh yeah hopefully that the the collective or whoever is able to come through Mm -hmm. with it but that creates an interesting situation yeah you kind of touched on it a little bit but players get like valuations like their nil evaluation is x amount do you know how they're coming up with these numbers because if they don't know exactly what these deals are being proposed to them are how are they are is it based off other athletes who they know have made a certain amount do you know yeah so i mean i can speak specifically to how we do it um i know on three has their evaluations um they do have like an nil deal tracker i believe on their website so if they're aware made aware of a deal like they can kind of put that into whatever formula they have um but yeah we we base it off of um, cause like I said, we have a whole compliance system for NIL. So athletes around the country are submitting their information to us. So we know exactly what amount of money is, is, you know, exchanging hands because it's coming through yeah. our system or they've, um, disclosed it to us. So we're able to, uh, take that information and again, be like, okay, a quarterback in this conference, um, who's, you know, say a senior that's been, you know, had a lot of recognition a lot of awards or whatever um we compare them against other quarterbacks in that same conference who have similar standing and 
you know, maybe a few of them have done certain deals that then we can be like, okay, this athlete most likely is going to be around here. Mm -hmm. The thing that's tough about like year long projection valuations is like, that's all it is, is a projection. Like if you go to on three right now, you might see, um, uh, the Manning kid is like three point some million. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean necessarily that he's made three point some million. It's essentially saying like, his standing as a quarterback at Texas and with his brand, they would expect him to make around mm, that amount okay. of money. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, like, all these deals are getting made with, like, companies. What's one of, like, the funniest or, like, coolest NIL deals that you've seen? Like, the coldest Crawford had the HVAC yeah. deal. Like, what are some of, like, the cooler, kind of, like, funny ones that you've seen? Yeah, that one was that one was fun. Um, unfortunately, you know, he's not with the team anymore. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Clear Cover um, is a company that they started working with, uh, I believe it's athletes with a, just a cool story. Um, so it's not the, I mean, they did work with Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. um, but they also work with like a division three athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and those athletes are getting, you know, four or five figures for that. And it's literally just those athletes telling their story, a, a tough time in their life that they got over. Um, and again, that's the cool part of, of NIL. Like it's, it's helping athletes. Um, we also have a a really cool one of, um, an athlete where she, she thanked us afterwards and and she said, you know, growing up, I lived out of my mom's car Mm -hmm. through NIL. I was able to buy my first car. That's awesome. Like that, that, that's cool stuff there. Um, one that just blows my mind is, uh, Snapchat was doing a, um, a deal, where if athletes just use Snapchat, not promote it, not promote a certain brand associated with Snapchat, like literally just posting on Snapchat, they would get paid four figures. Really? Because Snapchat just wants more usage on their app. Sure. Like it makes sense. Um, But that's just like a... Just like posting stories? Yeah. Wow. And that's the thing of it. It's like, that's a super organic, like that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, it's up to Snapchat to prove the return on investment right. there that right. it's worth it. But like from an athlete's perspective, like, and then again, what we always teach them is like, hopefully you're working with companies that if you're scrolling on someone's feed, you don't notice, like, it's not out of the ordinary. You're not like, Oh, I'm, I'm on Dylan's Instagram. I'm like, okay, okay, wait, he has never gone hunting a day in his life. Like what, why <laughs> is he is working true, with Cabela's and he has like a hunting vest? Like, that's not genuine, mm-hmm. and it's probably not going to do that well because your followers can tell that it's like that's not forced, you. very yeah. forced. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, those are those are just some cool ones. There's a lot of, of fun stuff happening around the country. I know um, there was uh, I think it was degree working with walk-ons. Um, so the there was a walk-on for uh, FDU um, in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. that uh, after they got eliminated, they signed him to a deal. Um, and it's just like sharing his walk-on story and stuff like that. Cool. So yeah, there's some there's some fun stuff uh, happening out there. Yeah, it's definitely provided more opportunities. Um, do you think um, there will be any type of rule changes in the near future with NIL and with the NCAA, or do you think it's kind of just a thing that they're gonna let go for a while? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting right now. There's um, I think the thing you'll see is more states pushing. Uh, and that's really how NIL came to be in the first place. Like these, I think California might've been one of the first that essentially said like, Hey, in three years, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, a lot of other States hopped on and then the NCAA was kind of, their hand was forced. 
Um, I think you're going to see that too. I know a lot of people are hoping like, oh, maybe there's going to be a federal bill that's passed that regulates all this stuff. It doesn't sound like that's anywhere close. Mm-hmm. Um, the NCAA has put out like different interpretations of their rules or any questions that people have. But even at that, they haven't shown as of right now to really enforce a ton of stuff. Um, they have done a little. Uh, the Cavender twins, who are yep. uh, two pretty big ones, female basketball players at Miami, um, that was in the news about a month ago that uh, they were um, – it was not even NIL-related, actually. Uh, they were uh, taken to dinner by a booster, which a booster associated with a school talking to a, a potential student-athlete has never been allowed. Mm-hmm. So – the media took it as like, oh, an N- or a NIL infraction. Like, it wasn't. And this happened before they were at Miami? Uh, yes. Okay. So they had dinner, like, as they were at Fresno State, then they were looking at other schools. Okay. They went and had dinner with the, the booster. Gotcha. And then um, that's what the violation was. It wasn't that they did anything NIL-related that wasn't allowed. Right. Um, so we'll see how things go. Again, I think – I think states are going to be what what does it. There's currently a, a bill in Arkansas that would allow um, the school essentially to be involved with the collective. Um, so that's an aspect, again, that I think other states will start to hop mm-hmm. on board with. Because like I said, interesting piece is you're a football coach and your entire roster is dependent on this yes. person that you aren't supposed to that have That seems so with. weird to me. Yep. But hmm. interesting. Okay. So if like our podcast or like another business wants to get started with NIL, they've never yeah. done it. How do the businesses go about getting that set up? Yeah. So um, Open Doors is a really easy way to start. Uh, again, going on on and finding athletes you want to work with. Um, again, you can you can pitch them. If you want to uh, have them just send out you know an Instagram post, a Twitter post about the podcast. Uh, you could do that pretty affordable. Like you can also, uh, determine what kind of athlete you want to work with. Like, do you want to work with a player on the football team? Do you want that to be a starter? Probably a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. Do you want to work with, uh, like a walk-on would be a lot more affordable. Um, if you're looking for exposure, obviously start looking at like, how many followers do they have? Like what kind of content do they post? Do they line up with you? Um, that kind of thing. Um, uh, again, or do you want to, you know, work with another sport? Uh, the, I would, I would recommend that as a way to just get your, get your feet wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've interviewed any of the guys that are currently at the school, I would recommend starting with yeah. them because they've been <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. That's a good idea. Um, and just reach out to them and be like, hey, love to have you promoted. Here's, you know, fifty bucks or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're willing to pay, and then just grow it from there. Um, uh, 402 Creamery is a one in town that's doing it very, very well. Uh, Muchachos is another one that does it very yeah, well. Yeah, they've been killing it. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like, 402, like, they have um, – they've worked with the volleyball team, had them them come out to their store, do an autograph signing, and, like, 402 Creamery gets to associate themselves with Nebraska volleyball players. They get the added foot traffic from mm-hmm. people wanting to work with the volleyball team. They're doing some stuff with the gol- women's golf team right now. Um, so – uh, yeah, there's there's cool things out there, but yeah, if the easiest place to get started is just hop on an open doors and, and scrolling yeah. through the marketplace and find an app that you want to work nice. with. Nice. Well, go to go to opendoors.com. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Easy as Quick that. Quick little plug. Um, another question I had 
we heard it a lot heard about it a lot with the oscar sheboy mm-hmm. stuff yep um guys who are coming in you know f- not from the u.s are they what's the ruling around that yeah are they not able to get paid in the u.s correct and that's not an ncaa law that's not a school policy you know restriction that's not a state law that is a federal government immigration mm, okay. visa law um so that's been something that is it's been a very popular topic for about the past year because schools are trying to figure out how can they help their international athletes mm-hmm. you know the the purpose of nil was to give the athlete the student athlete the same rights as their counterpart across the hall who's a music major mm-hmm. like that person across the hall could make and sell their music student athlete at the time couldn't mm. so with nil it allowed the student athlete to do the same thing now an international uh student who comes over they aren't able to do nil either. like they aren't able to make money either because based on their visa it's only supposed to be for education purposes. You're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to be over here to essentially make money. Okay. Now, um, I believe they are able to like work on campus, but in terms of working with a company, um, that's not allowed. Now, a lot of places or a lot of schools and compliance offices are trying to work through like, okay, passive income's allowed, and passive income is essentially you're not doing anything to earn it. Like Mm -hmm. you sold your NIL rights to somebody like they're making t-shirts or something like that. Like you're not actively going and doing a camp or you're not actively posting somewhere. Um, So schools are trying to figure out ways of doing that. Some creative ways are similar to to the Kentucky player, um, flying athletes overseas, having them do a clinic, them getting paid over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Collectives are getting a little creative on that stuff, but the scary thing is, is again, that's it's immigration law. So, if they get if they do something that is against their visa, they don't just sit out games; they get deported and kicked (laughs) out of the country. So, like, it's serious stuff that um, you really have to think through. Like, as an athlete, is it worth it? Like. Yeah, I could make a few bucks here, but if I get caught, I can't come back. Right. Um, so that is that's something too. I could see um, something potentially federally passed around that, mm-hmm. um, but that changes visa status for everybody because you True. can't just have it be like, oh, here's an asterisk. It's only allowed for student athletes. Right. Like you would have to afford that to all people with True. that same uh, visa status. Good point. Yep. Um, another question I had, aside from, I'm assuming football is the most predominant um, in the NIL at UNL, but what other sports are gaining a lot of traction in the NIL um, yep. at UNL that you've seen? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously volleyball is a real big one, uh, men's basketball. Uh, there is a uh, women's track athlete who's gotten really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the fun thing to just see it start to get spread across a lot of the sports. Because that was when we were talking to schools early on before NIL was even like legal. Uh, you know, the football coaches got into it. The men's and women's basketball coaches got into it. But then like the track and field or soccer or softball, they're like, our athletes aren't going to make any money, mm. but it's been cool to see that that's not exactly correct. Right. Like if you're marketable, you're marketable. Like if you have a presence online, if you are somebody, someone sees value in attaching to their brand, 
you can make money. Like it doesn't matter. There was a, this is kind of a tangent, but um, a Michigan basketball player uh, last year, I think, um, eighth, ninth, tenth dude on the bench. He rarely ever played, but he was valued as one of the most highest valued uh, NIL guys in the conference. And hmm. people were like, that is dumb. Yeah. Like he never plays. He doesn't have value. Like, but he has a bunch of followers on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. Like, that's what NIL is supposed to be about. Yeah, it's not absolutely. about your play on the field. Your play on the field helps, but you're compensated based on how marketable you are. Sure. Um, so that allows it so these athletes that aren't in those primetime sports, like it's NIL is still for them. It mm-hmm. may take a little bit more work. You might have to try a little harder to get the attention of the brand you want to work with. Um, but it's definitely happening. So, yeah, it, it's been fun to see. You know, obviously you see the football stuff, the, the men's and women's basketball, but seeing those other sports um, start to take advantage, it also helps the other athletes in those sports be like, oh, okay, maybe I could do this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. My last question is, um, I know we've talked a lot, and I don't <laughs> know if you can find anything, but what is something a person on the outside might not know about NIL that, you've found very interesting throughout the time working in it Ooh, this is a tough one because i've like only known it yeah, <laughs> like sure. i've never been on the outside of it <laughs> um uh, let's see i mean the collective stuff is is wild mm-hmm. uh i think um learning a lot about like what's a 5013c like a charitable nonprofit. like mm-hmm. that's what like when you get season tickets to to nebraska a lot of that stuff is like tax deductible at least i think Mm -hmm. it used to be yeah um collectives are trying to do that they're trying to make it so like all right donor a you were donating to the school and you got a tax deduction so just also donate to us and you also get it Mm, okay but uh trying to justify if a collective is actually a non-profit um isn't as easy as people think so like some are some aren't like I feel like the government's going to eventually crack down if it is wrong. I would assume, yeah. Um, but there's just so many things that go into it. Sure. I think one thing to know, too, is, uh, you know, when a brand or a fan is working with an athlete, they want to return. Like, they want their products to sell more or they want to have that cool experience. When a collective is working with an athlete, they just want to get money to athletes. Like, mm-hmm. their ROI is that the athlete performs essentially or stays at that school so the motivations for each one is is different um so that's where what we try to like we kind of struggle with and we try to educate athletes on is like okay athlete on the football team through the collective does a appearance for say five thousand dollars they are nowhere near worth that much to like the general market Mm mm-hmm Um, Because, again, we've worked with pro athletes for years and years. We see what even pro athletes make for that kind of stuff. And when we're working with, uh, like, when a brand comes to us and is interested in working with athletes, like, their value might actually be, like, $500. Mm -hmm. So the brand goes to the athletes, like, hey, I want to pitch you $500. And the athlete's like, no, I just made 10 times that. (laughs) So there's, like, this disconnect of what's reality. But, again, it's whatever someone's willing to pay you. But... Um, that's been something that it's been, it's been interesting to just, uh, see roll out is Mm -hmm. just, again, you, 
if all you're doing is earning money from a collective, you don't realize what it's actually like. Um, so like if an athlete does go pro, it'll be interesting to see their eyes open that like, they're not actually worth as much as they're getting right now. (laughs) Um, like would a five-star quarterback actually be worth $15 million over four years or 10 million or whatever? Like, or is this just like a weird playground that has no rules that is super inflated? Probably a wake up call at some point, but Very cool. You got any more? No, nope, that's all I got. Chris, you you got something back there? <laughs> just been hanging out. I was gonna ask about the international, but he covered it. Yep. Nothing else. No. Nice effort. <laughs> well, I was there, so I know a lot about it already. From our Sick. show. Yep. Sick. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Shout out opendoors.com. Um. Learned a lot. Hope you guys learned something, too. Yeah. Thanks so, for having me. This absolutely. is great. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome conversation with him. He's a genius when it comes to NIL. I know nothing, so. No, I don't. I still don't really. I, yeah. I mean, everything he said. Makes sense. Makes sense. In a vacuum. And I'll probably forget it in a week, but thank you to Jeff. It's a big process. It is a big process, like, and a lot goes into it, and happy that he took the time to come on. Um, the Masters happened this week. Yeah. What? It was an okay tournament. I don't know. Had some good stories. Sam Bennett, amateur, played out of his ass. Just incredible. Could be any amateur. Yeah. Could you imagine if you're, you just, you go there, you shoot. Well, I would, I, okay. I had this, was I talking? Yeah, Yeah, we were talking. What would you realistically shoot from? The Masters from the, the, Masters the tees, tees at Augusta, do you think? Over 100? Well, yeah. If you would have said less than 100, I would have <laughs> maybe walked out. 115? I said 120. Well, I've heard, a crazy, I've heard a crazy stat where they will let you drop the ball in the middle of the green, putting for birdie, and they say you won't break 90 because those greens are so sloped and everything you will put the green you'll put it off the green then you can actually chip and you'll still struggle yeah and to break 90 i said i'd be happy with 150 you can break 150 there are just certain holes where i have no chance of getting where you need to be 13 i have no chance 13 you have to hit a draw well yeah that's (laughs) that's fine okay then i'm okay but you still okay so you hit it left and then you drop yeah, I just feel like I, and maybe it's dumb of me to say this, I think I could maneuver the course okay, yeah. but once I get to the greens, it's over. Are you walking or are you riding a cart? I don't think you can Walking would carts. make it hard. I know, but like realistically, like if, if you could ride walking. a cart, if yeah. you're, okay, so walking would make it even harder sure. because your body's going to break down. Like I would be fine with. Like all those hills you're walking up and down. It's nah, gonna, yeah. It's going to really, break you down. Do we get a caddy? You do get a caddy. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'd they'll be help walking. you. They'll help you. Yeah. I still think 150. I think you could break 150. I, I mean, if you hit it to the wrong if if you hit it to the wrong part of the green, you're screwed. Yeah. You have no chance. I mean, but that's what I'm saying like three putts. That's why yeah. they say they'll let you drop for birdie on the middle we of the green said, and you'll still struggle. At what distance starting from the hole could you 
win the Masters from? Like you get to place the ball in the fairway or what? Anywhere. You can place it How anywhere. far from the from the hole could you win the Masters? To win the so tournament? So you'd have to shoot what, 13 under? You'd, you'd have to shoot 13, 13 under? We, <laughs> we went through a process on this one. Peters originally said 60 yards. I originally said 50 yards. 50 yards. And then he went to... I want to see what Chris says yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, Think about it. Actually think about it. Like, my answer will, like, shock you. So, like, don't, like, say a certain number just because you want to, like, sound like... Well, if I'm trying... If, on the green. Okay. Yeah, that's like, what we said. We said 40 even, feet. Even 40 chipping, feet. like... I'm not trying to chip on yeah, that you course. Don't. You should not chip. Yeah, on I that should course. not chip there. <laughs> we said, I said 40 feet, and that was what we had agreed on. I think 40 feet. Because so you're so you're saying you're going to basically two putt every par five for birdie. Well, I mean you have four days. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. So you're so you're saying you're dropping 40 feet for one. Correct. Yeah. So you're hitting one from you're, 40 yes, feet. You're hitting okay. one from 40 feet. Because Ooh, you have to he think farther. Okay. Now I think. You could probably chip then. I thought you meant like you're chipping for birdie or anything. I think I if you're dropping there on for game, one. I think I could. I'm better at chipping than putting, so I could probably chip. Yeah, twenty yards, twenty or thirty yards. Could you still shoot thirteen under? Is, I don't know. That's a big question. I, I think you have to start on the green because you got to think the par threes are going to be difficult because you got to go. That means you got to go up, up and down for par. Up and no, up and down up, for birdie. Up it, you got to go up and then two putt to for a par, which, I mean, I can't even do that on some of the courses I play now. Yeah. You could probably do it on 12. Four and six would be hard. What's the other par three? 16 would be hard. Yeah. Because at 40 feet, like, you got to take advantage of the par fives. Yeah. Because yeah. even you at 40 feet, eagle. there are some holes where, like, you're barely on the green. Okay, like, but 40 feet might not. 40 like, feet, okay, then you could still putt the ball off the green. You could degreen it. Correct. And then True. you're screwed. <laughs> but, like, it was more of, Your like... Your advantage just went away. Yeah, it was more of, like, a distance where you have a chance, but it's also not, like... Saying, like, from five feet. Like, that's just dumb. Like, yeah. I, would, I would hope from five feet, from ten feet, from 15 feet, you could win. Yeah. I don't know. They but missed like a lot of five-footers professionals well, yeah, but did. If you're, if you're starting yeah, five yeah. feet, I can hit it. Two feet, and I'm halfway there on a par five. I'm making three make double eagles. Yeah, yeah. I would say forty would, feet. My, I, yeah. I'm going to say twenty yards is what I can yards? win the Masters at. I like my chances starting on the green. <laughs> See, that'd I be would, hilarious if you start forty feet away from every hole on your first shot, and you yeah. still can't. <laughs> I mean, at that point, how humiliating would that be? You're playing putt putt. Yeah, at a guess. literally. The hardest putt-putt you've ever played in your life. Yeah. With the biggest slopes you've ever seen in your life. And it's maybe my my thought process would change if I actually saw the greens. Because I might uh, say it might be closer. I might need if you to actually saw them? It yeah. might be closer. Oh, yeah, 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 right. I might move heard. that from 10 f- up to 10 feet. Because you see it on TV and it's like, eh, you know, I could from do that. From what I've heard, yeah, it's hard. So, anyway... Went off a little tangent there, but it was a good tournament, I guess. It was fine. Not really too much excitement down the end. Rom no. dominated. He's so good. And he's he got good. screwed with the draw. He did. Because, like, he played 
I think he went early late. Early late, which was the bad one because he played. He wanted to go late early. And mm-hmm. then he still had to play Saturday a little bit. Finish yeah. his second round on Saturday morning with bad he weather. 30 holes on Sunday? 30 holes on Sunday. Whew. And he started with a four-putt double bogey. Yeah. That he four-putted yeah. green number one. If Rom is four-putting. From 20 feet, he four-putted. Yeah. Just mind you that. That's, makes yeah, you think, may, makes me think a little harder. <laughs> but yeah, starting with the double bogey and still winning by four strokes. I think Peter's uh, thought came to fruition a little bit with Brooks. Played three rounds, great. Yeah. Couldn't close it out on the fourth. I get like it's kind of a lazy, in a sense, it's kind of a lazy take because like I feel like it's live golf, it's 54 holes. He entered, he was the 54 hole leader, but also. I do think there's some realistic like thought going into he had to play an extra 18 holes where usually you're done. Also, you had to he had to play extra holes on Sunday mm-hmm. where yeah. usually the tournament you're like prep you go into it saying if you're live you're playing three days. Yeah. You're not even thinking about Sunday. Right. Yeah. So I don't think it was strictly that. I think he got a really good draw early, and then he had to play in the weather, which that's. Yeah probably the more the bigger factor but mm-hmm. i don't think he played bad on sunday like he didn't like he didn't choke couldn't make any birdies yeah, yeah. he went like 22 to. holes without a birdie he got yeah. some bad bounces mm-hmm. and rom i mean rom just was steady and then just took him took over yeah the talent of rom just took over eventually but yeah it was a good tournament tiger looked bad did you see that clip on twitter yeah. of him walking around yeah scary i i don't know how much longer he's gonna make it but he made another cut yeah 23rd consecutive ties the record i think made another cut i don't know could he do you think he could win another major realistically no yeah too many good young guys if you get the right course i mean it would probably be augusta i don't think it'd be augusta I think it'd have to be Augusta. And he has to play in perfect weather now. Like, it has yeah. to be, like, 70. I mean, like, at the open, it's pretty no flat. Rain. The open? Yeah, but I the mean, weather that, could yeah, be terrible. That's the thing. Yeah. If, it, if you get a nice day at, like, St. Andrews where it's an easier walk. The only thing with Augusta, like... Yeah, the walk is bad. He can get around that course with his mind. It's not hard for him to, like, mentally get there. I just think that Sunday, if he's got to, like, chase somebody down... Mm-hmm. And it's against, like, when he won it in 2019, Molinari made mistakes down the stretch where I just don't think you're going to get a John Rahm, a Scheffler, a Rory who makes those same mistakes to get him into a spot where, like, his knowledge gives him a real advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so here's a question for you. You okay. get Rom, Scheffler, and Rory for the next 10 years. Who wins more majors, those three or the field? So the next 10 years, are you taking Rory, Rom, and Scheffler? Are you taking every other golfer in the world to win more majors? That's a good question. I feel like you... I think I'm taking Rom, Rory, and Scheffler. They're all still young. 10 years, they'd be about 38. Because who's... I mean, I you mean, have JT, JT, Spieth, Morikawa, Homa. But you're also getting, like, Kepka. Kepka. But he could be on his way out. DJ's getting older. DJ. 
It's hard for me not to say, well. The next 10 years, that's a long time. I mean, you're not going to get, I, would, I feel like at most you're going to get. Those three two. are going to win two of the four majors, I think, every year. They're just that good. So you're saying the field has to win 21. Yeah. Would, even if each of them, even if they yeah, win one, I, you, they have to win the 10. Field. I'm going to say the field because you can just split those. Yeah. I think I would gonna take the field. the field. I would take the field. I think I'd take those three. Just because you're splitting, like, you can go 20 and 20. Yeah. To where. Yeah, because over the next 10 years, there'd be 40 majors. Yeah. I think you have to take the field. Yeah, you have Because you're not saying, like, you have to have JT. You're not saying, like, it has to be these, like, mm-hmm. even 10 golfers. Yeah. Because, like. But, like, the field, like, there's only about 10 other golfers that can compete with those guys. But then you get realistically. Like, what if like a Sam Bennett, like somebody comes out of nowhere, or there's like a guy that's coming up the ranks that we don't know about yet that's gonna be. Yeah, but those I just don't know. I mean, I, like a Sam Bennett, yeah, it it's fun to watch him like Thursday, Friday get up there, but then they get paired with one of those two, and it's mm-hmm. like it's a different level in yeah. a major. But he outplayed Scotty Scheffler on Thursday, Friday. That's Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend hits. And then yeah, I'm still you're looking the at field. I'm taking the field. Okay. You just have wait. You have so many options to get to split the majors because mm-hmm. that's all you have to do is split it. Yeah, and Rory's getting up there. Rory is yeah. older. Rom isn't super. He's not old, but he's Rom's not. 27 or 28. 28, I think. And Scheffler's he like 25. He seems way older than 28. I know. Yeah, I that's why. That's why I said 10 years. And Scheffler seems way older than 25. He's probably. Tw- well, We're the same he age. Might, he might be. I think he's like 26. He might be 20. Yeah. That's but so he's crazy. not that much no. older than us. So mm, that's another. A lot of good hypotheticals. Or good it's interesting to I think guess. about. Yeah. Like those three are that good that makes you actually question like how many majors are those three going to win compared mm. to everyone else? Yeah. I mm. just think if you take the field. Like, if one year you get screwed, like, if one year you lose it because they win three or four, there's going to be a year where they don't, they might not win any. Like, what if they Could get be. hurt? But, that, like, you just kind of have to get back to that, you know, they get three one year, you get three or four the next. And then, I don't know, like, Rory missed, missed the cut? What, yeah. What's stopping, like, a weird scenario where they all three miss the cut and then you're screwed. it could happen but it won't <laughs> they're just that good yeah i just feel like one of them will contend in every major for the next 10 years being like the top five going yeah. into sunday knowing there's a chance that all three missed the cut i know it's a slim chance but then it's your you have a hundred percent odds for that major so that's True. why yeah. i'm saying the field it's not like a obvious the field but it's it's a good question field. definitely yeah. Um, do we have any down bads this week? I don't. Nice yeah, effort. You do. Nice effort. You have Chris's one. attitude. <laughs> Chris has been complaining that he had to be up at six thirty. Yeah, and we I did. We were both up earlier than him today, and we are okay. Completely but you, fine. you guys do that every day. I don't do it every day. So, so you should be like. So I'm tired. Sure, I don't wake I'm up tired. At I'm not complaining about it. But you should be more rested from the previous day. If you're uh, doing it consistently. Maybe we go to bed a little bit earlier. Well, How about I, that? I could. Yeah. How about we do that? Yeah. We give it a take, try. I could try it. Take charge of your life for once. I probably should start doing that. Yeah. Any hinge know. updates? No. 
nice effort there. I, I've Maybe been so go busy. Maybe go a little earlier and I, I haven't been on Hinge in a while, actually. Okay. I just haven't had time. Yeah. It's fine. Just been busy. Yeah. Busy Super doing busy. life. Yeah. Really busy. You know? It's great. Busy doing life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trees at Augusta are down bad. Yeah, that was scary, Literally. actually. Pace of down. play. Pace of play. Cantlay and Hovland getting flamed on social media. Yeah. And actually, extremely slow. Fan like fans going to the Masters. Like, do you know what happens with that? Like, so like you get assigned a day to go. If you win the tickets, you get assigned a day. So like, if your day was Saturday, you saw the course for three hours and then you were Mm, done. Like they don't let you come back Sunday. That was gonna be my question. Was can those people go watch the third round? No, it's your day. I wasn't sure because so I knew like, it was did like. Did they do any get... accommodations though with that? What this do you year? mean? Probably not. No. So people that went Saturday got to see Saturday, and then that's it. Because I knew they did it by day, but I wasn't sure if it was like that day's round or that. It's just that specific day. Yeah, that's. So you're yeah, out of luck. Sucks. They should fix. Ho- that. Hopefully they, because the weather. They they knew all week that the weather was going to be an issue. Yeah. Hopefully they had that in their mind, like, this might happen. Yeah, so we got to get there early, yeah. walk the course, to s- at least see all of it, yeah. you would hope. Yeah. But then you got to get your merch because they, gotta get you know, merch. like, when do you go get your merchandise? Because if the tournament gets you called have, that day, yeah. they close everything, and then you're like, I didn't get any merchandise. Yeah. You have to go early regardless of weather because you have to get, yeah. if worst case is the weather's bad and you don't get anything. Because yeah, then, because you can't take pictures. Yeah, yeah. You well, you no can, room. you can, but you you can take like a. Yeah, you have to, like, you have to take camera a camera or whatever. Yeah, right. You can't take your phone or any like real nice camera. Yeah. So then you got no merch. You saw barely any golf. You got to go to the merch. Feel center so really. bad. Spend a ton of money to get there. Yeah. And hotel and everything. And yeah. You you actually win the lottery, which is like hard to do. Yeah. Because everybody wants everybody enters that, mm-hmm. and then you're screwed. Yeah. Dang. Didn't know that. Feel bad for those people. So that sucks for those guys. Mm. Any other down bads? Nope. It was a pretty slow news week. It was. Patrick Reed played good. I hated that. Yeah, he did play well. well. Phil played really well. Yeah. (laughs) Best round by anyone over 50. 50? Yep, best finish, yeah. Nice. I was hoping we could talk about Patrick, Patrick Reed playing bad, but can't do that. Nope. Unfortunately, he's not a down bad this week. He was pretty quiet this tournament. He was, although he was decked out in his aces yeah, gear. Yeah, I know. That, I hate that. Only live guy to do that, pretty yeah. much. Classic. Phil was. Phil, yeah. Oh, it was that symbol, yeah. his team or whatever? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think DJ had it on his as well. I didn't see a single shot of DJ. That's they another didn't. thing that sucks about Masters. Their coverage is shit. Yeah. But also, like, they weren't going to put a ton of live guys on the coverage, unless they were playing... In contention, no, or, but like if you look at the scheduled coverage, like yeah, Sunday starts at two p.m. and the leaders tee off at one. What what is that? Well, didn't coverage start in the morning and then they? Flipped. Yeah, but like originally, if like the tournament goes yeah. on oh, scheduled, yeah. like Sunday it would have started at two p.m. and the leaders tee off at one. Yeah, so you miss the first three holes of the that. leaders can't on Sunday. That. What? Like, especially when it's so hard to go. Like, I understand if, like, you can buy tickets randomly and go, but, like, 
public can't do that. So right. why not show it? People that can't get tickets want to see it. I don't know. Should we do roulette? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. What are what are we at? Eleven for Trevin. Twenty four. What's the money at? I think like twenty. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, 16. This would be for 15 each. Tom did not send a number. Tom did not send a number. That is unfortunate for Tommy. Well, it looks like Tommy gets 22 or 20. Where is 16? Oh, it's not even. Two. 25. Oh, two was close. I think that's back-to-back, back. yeah. Where that was six, back uh, back. 16s on the opposite end of the board? Nice. Two weeks in a row, it's been a red 25. Is that right? Yep. Right next to the two, and I've had two both weeks. <laughs> that's maybe, so classic. Maybe third time will be a charm next week. Nah. Yeah, take 25 next week. No, I will not do that. No, I thought you took two last week. I did. Yeah, and you took two this week, so take two again. Okay. Third time's a charm. Probably will, yeah. And then it'll be 21. It will be 21. Shout out Jeff and Open Doors again for coming on the pod today. Awesome conversation about NIL. Anything else, boys? Nope. nope. Let's get out of here. Peter's got to get to the kid. He does. Yep. All right, this is the Boys Down Bad Podcast. I'm Dylan. Peters. Chris. Have yourselves a top 10 weekend. Heard at Sports Network Production.